really excited about today's message as we dive into a topic called Family Matters. You'll see a little bit about what that is in just a moment, but if you haven't noticed when you walked in, today is our fall life group launch. We kick off a brand new semester of life groups, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to really try to encourage you to find one, find a fit, get, get connected. We've got over 60 life groups this fall semester. Come on, that's powerful, man. Powerful. Here's what excites me the most. We've already got over 350 people already registered, signed up in and bar and stuff like that. So really excited about that. But hey, it's a good weekend. How many of you stepped outside and you're like, thank you, Jesus? Just anybody just worshiped a little louder today just because you, you weren't sweating? Like it was just like, thank you, the Lord. Hey, listen, as I say, if you don't thank God for it, he takes it from us. So just keep thanking him. Like, God, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Send the rain. <laughs> Keep sending it all. Send the cool weather. We're glad that you're here. But hey, it was a great weekend. I, I hope you got a little bit of refreshment this weekend and uh, some encouragement this weekend. Come on, LSU won and Alabama lost. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it was a lot of, we had a lot of wins across. I mean, a lot of our schools won. Um, it, was a great, it was a great winning weekend. Now, as we know with football, that can always change. Um, so, but we're going to pray for our saints today. <laughs> Oh, uh, man, I'm, I'm glad that you're here, and yet again, those that are online. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Pastor Josh, and uh, Lindsay and I are, man, so honored to, to pastor one of the greatest churches. We love you, and I, I'm so excited to get to share a little bit of really what is a passion point of my life. This is really kind of a life story. Last weekend, I kind of shared a message that the Lord really put on my heart about how do we move forward as a church? What, what is God calling us to? We talked about priorities and putting God first. We talked about people and choosing right relationships. We talked about purpose and making a difference in other people's lives. And today, I want to really dive into the people side of things. And, and what is that for us? What, why is that a big deal? What does God want that for you? But I thought today I would start by showing you a couple of pictures, okay? So when I show these pictures... I want you just to, you can, you can holler back at me words that come to your mind, okay? So any word that comes to, well, let me be very careful with that. Just remember you're in church for a moment, okay? So, but anything that you think that comes to your mind when you see these pictures, I want you to shout it out and we'll see if we can get some participation. Which, by the way, we are a participation church, not a spectating church, okay? So you can holler back at me <clears throat> within reason. If it's good, holler back. If it's not, keep your mouth shut. And so... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let me show you some. Let me show you some pictures here. All right, here's the first one here. When this, when you see this, what comes to mind? Airport, Airport security, security law enforcement, aggravating. <laughs> some said long, <laughs> violated. Come on, anybody? Like, like these are these are all things that come along with a with a with a TSA that's there. All right. Let me let me show you another one. How about how about this one right here? How about this? What what is this? Ouch. Pain, expensive, come on, I feel you, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, how many of you just hate going to the dentist? Do I got any other people in here? I despise the dentist with all that is within me. Oh my goodness, I feel like that, I've given, the, uh, I've given a lot of money to the dentist. Um, all right, let me show you another one, this one right here. How about this one, what is this one? I don't know if that was exactly a word, but I was like, woo! Okay, there's a lot of different words. There's a lot of different. How many of you, how many of you have, have been to an LSU game? You've been to, been to one? Okay, number, how many of you have never been to one? Never been to one? Okay, so if you've never been to one, there's, there's all this kind of lead up to what this moment is like, 100 plus thousand people cheering on, loving people in tights. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. 
It's true, though, isn't it? It's a true, yeah, and, and hitting each other. It's awesome. And so everybody's got different experiences with this, depending on, it also depends on where you parked, <laughs> on, on how much you enjoyed it. But uh, this is it. And then let me show you this last one. This last one here is this. What words come to mind when you think of this? I heard Catholic. I heard what? God's house. I've heard different ones. Yeah. All right. All different things there. Um, so all, everybody's got different experiences. The reason why I show all these different, the, the TSA and the dentist and LSU and the church is that we've all had different experiences at all of these places to, to whatever degrees you've experienced them. Some have had great experiences. Some have had terrible experiences. Some have had some really joyful moments in these places, and some have had some really painful moments in these places. But how you view these places often is how you experience these places. Uh, and we've all had different experiences. Some you maybe have heard from other people's experiences. Um, if you've been to a doctor or a TSA, you've never flown before, uh, you've got, you know, the people kind of give you like what to expect when you go into that. Uh, and then some of us have actually had real experiences in all of these different places, regardless of whatever that is. Um, I, I want to I hone in on, on this one here because based off of how you see the church, um, yet again, it can be a religious thing, it could be a sacred thing, it could be a joyous thing, it could be like a checklist thing, but how you view the church is often how you experience the church. And if you view the church as a, as a place to go to or as a service to attend, but ultimately, what my heart is today, and I want to do everything that I can to try to convey what I think is God's heart, is that, that I don't believe the church is a place you go to or a service you attend. Come on, I believe it's a family you belong to. Amen. And it's all throughout Scripture that we see this idea. So I want to I piggyback a little bit off of a, a Scripture I used last week. And I want to dive into this a little bit more, and I'm going to add more to it today. And so if you've got some notes, go ahead and pull them out. Which, by the way, uh, all of these notes are on our OSC Connect app. If you type in OSC Connect in, in your app store, you can pull up our app. And uh, th this is right there, first and foremost, on our app every week. You can download them if you want. You can share them. They're there. If you're a digital person, they're there for you. But uh, I want to read uh, Ephesians, uh, the, the book of Ephesians, and I want us to put, put that scripture up for me. Ephesians chapter 2. And it says this, and everybody say these red, uh, blue letters with me. I am not colorblind. Okay, blue letters with me. You are members of God's, of God's family, of God's family. You're members of God's family. You're members of God's family. You are part of God's family. Now, let me set the precedent here of what, what Paul is speaking to. He's speaking to those who have said yes to Jesus to be born again, to accept his forgiveness, to accept his grace, to accept what he's done. And, and the Bible says that we're regenerated. We come to life in Christ, that God makes our spirit come alive. Now, for those who are, have not done that, then, then this doesn't apply to you yet. Um, and our prayer, hopefully, is by the end of today, maybe this would apply to you as well. But the moment you said to Jesus, you didn't realize you got adopted in a family. You got adopted into God's family and together. Everybody say together. Together, together all of us. We are his we're his house. So we're a family and we're a house. We're both. And inside of a house, you have a, have a family. And so God is wanting us to have a family. He's wanting us to, to build a house. You'll see this in the next scripture. But it's built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So this house, this spiritual family, this spiritual house that God is building is, is, is founded upon Jesus. Jesus is the, is the foundation of this house. 
And so this is what Paul tells us, that you are now members of his family. You're members of his house. And then you go and you fast forward to Peter, 1 Peter, another one that was a follower of Jesus. And he says this in 1 Peter. Can you put 1 Peter for me? There we go. 1 Peter, you also are like what? Now, if you've got a Bible, I want you to highlight or underline that or circle that. Or if you've got some notes, you want to write that on the side. We're going to come back to that in just a minute of why Peter, I think, gives this analogy of living stones. He says, and you are being built, God is building you, us, into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so you say, well, Pastor Josh, isn't the church like the place that we go to? Like when we say like, hey, I'm going to church. Um, Yes, but it's not complete. Because yes, the church can be the gathered ones that gather in a building or a place, but here's the real reality of it all, that church is not just a gathering, church is a people, so wherever we gather, we are the church. So if we went, if we went and gathered at another location, we would still be the, our Savior's church, we'd still be his church. Whether you gathered in a home, we would still be his church. When we gather together to lift up Jesus, we are his church. And so yes, you do go to church, but yes, we are the church. And when we read this in scripture here, he's not just telling us, hey, when you gather together and just go, you're the church. He's going, when you're gathered together, you get to be the church. And when you, get, when you are the church, he, he, Jesus is building a spiritual house. He's building a spiritual family. Now, how many of you have been to a place, and, and you probably have experienced this, like every place that you go to, whether it's a restaurant or a business or a home, or a store. How many know every place has got a vibe? They've got like, a, they've got like an environment. They've got like a feel. Like You're like, hmm, I like this place. Okay, okay, I like this. There's something about it that's got a feel to it. It's the difference between, you know, going to Burger King and going to Chick-fil-A. Come on, you know, two different feels. <laughs> two different feels. Two different feels. What, what, what is it? There, there's this culture. It's called a culture. There's this culture that's created that's uniquely different about this. How many of y'all have been to someone's home, maybe it was a family member or a friend or whoever, you went into someone's home and you immediately felt like, ooh, I do not want to stay in here too long. Anybody have ever been in a house like that? Like you just felt it. It was like strife and there was just like, you've just felt the tension. You're like, I don't know. And then how many of you have been to a place, you've been to a home or you've been somewhere and it's like, man, joy-filled, it's fun, it's life-giving. You're like, man, I could stay here all day long. Like this is the place you want to be. Why? It's because it's this feel. And, um, you know, when I hear people talk about our house, our Savior's church, our, our spiritual family house, I'll, I'll hear people say, man, you know, it's, it's warm or it's, it's really authentic or, man, I just feel like it's, it's a friendly place or I feel like it's welcoming. I feel like it's inviting. There's this feel. You, maybe you can't quite put your finger on it, but you're just like, there's something about this feel. Now, that's a culture that's a part of our church that we've had for 22 and a half years, 23 years, however long we've been to church. And it's this value that I want to preach on today, which is the value of spiritual family. Spiritual family. And this idea of spiritual family is, is, is one that is awesome when you experience it, but it's not easy. And it, it can come with a challenge, of course. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit in just a minute. But if you're taking notes, I want you just to to write this in your notes, that God is building a spiritual family. From the very, very beginning of time, God has all been about family. Everything has been about family. 
from the very beginning. And I, I don't know if you realize this, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take you through a narrative throughout the scriptures. I think it's important for us to not just get so locked into one book or one verse within the scripture. I think it's important for us to look at the thread that goes all throughout the entire scriptures from Genesis all the way to Revelations, that there is a thread that goes all the way throughout scripture. And for the next five to seven minutes, I want to walk you through it. And I want to show you how God is actually building family, and he's been doing it from the very beginning. First off, starting with this. I mean, no, God started family. Watch this. God in himself is family. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just within the Trinity, just within the the Godhead is a family. Like, God created family. He started family. It began with him. And, and, and within the Godhead, the Trinity, there is unity, there is harmony, there is perfection, there, there is no competition. Jesus ain't going to the Father going, you treat the Holy Spirit way better than me. Like, there is none of that. Okay, there's no competition between the two. The, 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 the Jesus points everybody to the Father, and the Father points everybody to the Holy Spirit that points to Jesus. And you get this beautiful complimenting of one another. And out of that... Out of that, God created man and woman. So look at Genesis chapter 1. Out of that, God said, let us. This is God speaking to the, to the Trinity, to the, to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Say, hey, what we have, let's make that. So let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. And so therefore you get Adam And then he makes Adam, and it's good. But then he looks at Adam and goes, it ain't good for you by yourself. Like, you need some help. And so then he says, puts him to sleep. We know he creates Eve. He wakes up, and he says, here, you need help. You have her. All right? Now, you guys be fruitful and multiply, and now you're going to make a family. And you're going to have sons and daughters. You're going to have a family. And we, of course, know that uh, it it was only good for two chapters. Because how many know, watch this, whatever God creates, the enemy wants to divide. Whatever God creates, the enemy wants to break up. Whatever God creates, the enemy wants to destroy. And we're only two pages into the Bible, and the enemy is already on his assignment to try to get them to disobey God and to do their own thing. And, of course, they follow that, and sin enters into the world, and it shatters their relationship with God. No, God is no longer walking with them as he did. He's got to kick them out. And then God begins this restoration plan of what will come many, many years down the road where we get Jesus. But, but then you keep going through the Old Testament, and God is still about family. Adam and Eve have a family, and and then God introduces us in Genesis to a guy by the name of Abra- Abram. And so we get Abraham. And we get this verse here in Genesis chapter 17. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And you're going to see yet again all throughout scripture this kind of familial language that God is creating fathers and mothers and sons and daughters because God doesn't want us to be fathers and, 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 and mothers. I mean, no, he wants fathers and mothers to have sons and daughters. And he says, through your people, through these people, I'm going to make you a father of nations. And so we get all of God, God's people, the children of Israel come out of this. And, and so then you keep fast forwarding and then you get people like Ruth, who is a Moabite, but gets married into Boaz, which married into it. And out of her legacy, comes David. Out of David's legacy comes 
Jesus. It's all been about a, a family that God has been going after. God has been building people into his family. And then we get to Matthew chapter 1, and here comes our Messiah, Jesus. Watch this. And Jesus is born into a family. He's born into a family. Jesus could have ascended down. I'm here. <laughs> he did not. What did he do? He came through a family. All of Matthew chapter 1 is the chapter you skip. Why? Because it's all of Jesus' family. It's his entire lineage. He beget him, beget him, beget him, beget him. You're like, how many begettings we got? Okay, there's like a lot of begetting. Why? They're, they're trying to show you that Jesus came through family, okay, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary births Jesus. Jesus is born into a family. Jesus is raised in a family. Jesus has brothers and sisters, whether you know that or not. Jesus has brothers and sisters like you and I. Jesus goes to this, has a family. 30 years, he starts his ministry, and one of the first things that he does is he builds a family. He recruits 12 people to come into his spiritual family, and for the next three years, he's gonna spend three quarters of his life with this family that he has created. Jesus is all about family, doing life together. Even Jesus says, I can't do this alone. I need to be within a family. He creates, the, uh, he calls these men to follow him and to walk with him. And then, of course, we've got him, he, he dies, he resurrects. And then as he's about to ascend, he says, all right, guys, now it's on you. And the birth of the New Testament church starts with the Holy Spirit coming down and the New Testament, the early church, the first church is started. And guess what the first church acts like? A family. Don't believe me, look at Acts chapter two. In Acts chapter two, all the believers were together. You're gonna see these words. This is, this is why these shirts say this. This isn't just a catchy phrase. This is Bible that everything is together, we're, we're doing this together. They had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions to give anyone who had need. Verse, uh, the next verse says, and every day they continued to do what? Meet. Meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they? Come on, listen, eating is spiritual, y'all. It's spiritual. How many of y'all wanna go do some spiritual things after this, all right? We gonna eat together. And they were, and they, they, had, they were glad and sincere hearts. And out of this, who meets together? A family. Who stays together? A family. Who helps one another together? A family. Who eats together? A family. These are all familial language of what a family does. And when God built this family called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the gathered ones, when he built this family, look what happens when they're doing these familial things, these family things. The next verse says that praising God, this is what they do together, enjoying the favor of all the people together, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When someone gets saved, we call it being born again, meaning that they are new in Christ, but they are babies in Christ. And when a baby comes into the world, what does it need to grow? Just by the way, the answer is family right now. Okay, just across the board. When a baby comes into the world, what do they need? They need a family. Like babies don't thrive without a family. Just as much as a natural baby comes into this world, needs a family to thrive, spiritual children that are new in Christ, that are new to this following Jesus thing, need a family. 
And so then you fast forward. Okay, I'm, I'm just walking us through the Bible here. We're going, we're going from Genesis. Now we're through the Old Testament. We've gone to Jesus. Now we go to the early church. We get to the early church. They're, they're like a family. And then we get to the letters. We get to Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians. And all of these are written by a guy by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul. And if you read most of those letters right there, he's addressing families, the churches that are gathered together. And he's addressing them like a father. Look, at, look with me in the next verse. It says, uh, uh, and, nope, uh, yeah, there we go. So, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. That's 1 Corinthians 4, by the way. That's wrong. 1 Corinthians 4, 15. But you're going to notice that as he's writing to these, there's way more scriptures than we have time to do. But when Jesus, or when the Apostle Paul talks to Timothy, he calls him his spiritual son. When Paul is addressing the churches, I read it last week, he called them his children. This is all, yet again, familial language. Watch this. And the majority of the Apostle Paul's letters was trying to teach them in, in, in his letters, he's trying to show them how to get along as a family. Like the most of, most of Paul's things is, hey, y'all need to forgive one another. You need to love one another. You need to honor one another. You need to serve one another. Hey, you need to stop thinking so much of yourself. You need to think less of yourself. Hey, you need to, you need to prefer others above yourself. Like most of Paul's letters are, this is who you are in Christ, and this is how you act like a family. That's the majority of the Apostle Paul's letters. It's about how to work as a spiritual family. Then you fast forward to Revelations, the very end, and how many know when we get to heaven, we're going to be one big family. So by the way, if you don't like the people next to you, whoo, heaven's long, y'all. Heaven's long, 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 long. So, I mean, you can ignore them and sit on the other side of the road, but at one time, you're going to have eternity with them. So this is it. Now, with all that being said, what is God building? God's building family. He's always been building family. Everywhere you go, it's all been about family. Spiritually and naturally, family, family, family. The enemy has been totally after dividing everything that God is trying to build. Whatever God's building, know that the enemy's trying to destroy it. Now watch this, though. Family's awesome, but family's also difficult. Can I get an amen from anybody who's got a difficult family? Okay, don't look at anybody next to you if they're a part of that, but this is, let's not act like it's just real easy and it's just all awesome. Like it's got, it's got some stuff that comes along with it. And, and so I, I want to address that because I think before you can really understand the power of spiritual family, you've got to address why it can be so difficult, and so I just, I, I want to I answer these things that are in probably all of our hearts, because if you've done family at all, if you've got your own natural family, you know that that, that, that comes with a price. And so I want to I share four thoughts with you of why I think it makes it, why spiritual family can be so difficult. And so if you've got some notes, here's, here's some good note-taking time. Number one is we're different. We're different. Like you just look across the span of this room, 
man, we got some differences in here. How many of you are above the age of 40? Raise your hand. If you're above the age of 40, okay, put your hand up, put your hand up, put your hand up. Okay, if you're below the age of 40, shoot your hand up. If you're below the age of 40, just look at that. Look at that. Oh, that's there. If you are 40, you get both hands, all right? So right there, there you go. All right, you get both of them. You get both of them, all right? Um, how many of you in here, um, you're married, raise your hand. If you're married, raise your hand. Okay. If you're, if you're not married, you're single, raise your hand. Just raise it. Go. Don't, don't be shy about this. This is your moment. This is your moment. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. And look around. This is your moment. Okay. I'm going to give you a moment here. Okay. Now, now watch this. How many of you are in here, like when you're around a, a, a group of people, like you get energized, like it excites you. You love being around a lot of people. Raise your hand if you're, if you're in here. Okay, now watch this one. <laughs> How many of you, when you're around a bunch of people, like it drains you, you need a nap after? Like you need a nap. Look at this right here. Look at this. Wow. Yeah. So you hate the 60 seconds. You hate it. You hate it. It's all right. There's a number of you here. That's okay. Y'all can like unite. Fist bump. There you go. Go sit down. All right, so... Like, we're, we're different. Like, we're incredibly different. Now, watch this. Like, I, I told you all to make reference of that first Peter where he said living stones. Notice that Peter didn't call us living bricks. Watch this. Because bricks are all the same. You just stack them, stack them, stack them, stack them, stack them. A living stone, every stone's different. Is this not true? You got some that are big, some that are small, some that are weird shaped, some that are this, some of that. And so you don't stack, stack, stack stones. You have to place them exactly where they go because they are uniquely different. And when you think about our church, we are a bunch of different people, uniquely different. Age difference, race difference, background difference. Some of you come from broken homes. Some of you come from healthy homes. Some of you are married. Some of you are not married. Some of you got college education. How many of you, you graduated from college? Raise your hand. You graduated from college. Okay, how many of you, you did not? You raise your hand right here. Okay, unite. Come on, somebody. All right, there we go. All right, thank y'all for all the smart people. We appreciate y'all. Um, we're just so uniquely different. You got different perspectives. You got different political perspectives. I mean, literally, you go, we really start diving into this. We are so uniquely different. We've got people that live in Jennings and many of you that don't live in Jennings. I mean, just all over, the, all over the gamut. Some have children, just some don't have children. Some never want children. Some want tons of children. God bless you. And so, now here's the deal, though. This is really a big part of what makes spiritual family dif difficult because in our differences, it can be awkward. Because when you put a group of people together that have such unique differences in order to be unified, you have to put aside your differences and rally around your common things. And the one thing that puts all of us in the same room together is only one man and his name's Jesus. Are y'all with me? Now, there are other things that we, you know, can rally around. But at the end of the day, what, what's the glue is Jesus. So this, this past week, um, I'll do this every so often, is that when I'm writing messages, I'll, I'll ask for some input. And so we have an OSC Jennings, OSC Jennings eFam page, um, our group that is on Facebook, which, by the way, if you're not on it, jump in it. We've got probably over 1,000 people that are in it. And, and oftentimes, we'll share stuff that's going on in the church. 
And it's often my time to kind of get a real response from our people. And so this week, I just threw out there and said, hey, if you're a part of our OSC family, I would love to know how being a part of this family has impacted your life or your family. And uh, many of you commented. And I, I want to show you some of these because I don't want this just to be theoretical. I don't want this just to be even just scriptural. I want this to be very personal. And I want you to see how this plays out. I want to give you a vision of what actually spiritual family looks like and not just in the head, but, but also in the heart. And uh, one, of the, one of the persons that responded, uh, they said this. This is one of the things that they said. And I thought, man, this is such an awesome thing. They said, one of my favorite things about our church is I think it looks like a little glimpse of heaven, a variety of all walks of life. Come on, how many know that's what we want to be like? We want to be heaven. We want to be multicultural, multigenerational, multiplying church that's, that's impacting a region. And how many know you need young, old, black, white, whatever, whatever differences that you have? How many know we need them all to reach all people here in, in Jesus? Okay, so that's the, that's the first thing is that we're different. Number two is we crave convenience. We crave convenience. Our culture idolizes convenience and comfort. Now, I don't know, yet again, maybe some of you that were 40 and above, you would remember this, but back in the day, y'all remember back in the day, like, there were no TVs in the car. Y'all know that, right? Like, there was only a radio. There was may, maybe a radio, and maybe even just AM or FM, maybe. And the only one that actually got to touch it was the one who drove. So, I mean, you could put your suggestions out there, but it didn't really matter. Like, you're on an eight-hour road trip with whatever dad wants to listen to the whole time. All right, this is how it was. And my, my family used to have a station wagon, and it was like extra ghetto because we had a back, we had a back row seat that faced the back window. And, like, didn't have seat belts. Like, this, mama's hand was the seat belt. That was the seat belt. Like, I've told my boys, like, hey, can y'all roll down the window? They're like, what are you talking about roll it down? Like, they have no clue. Like, oh, you actually had to roll it down? Yeah, okay, that's us back in the day. All right, this was, this was it down there. Now, how many know, nowadays you see a, a Suburban or an SUV drive down, it's like a fourplex movie theater going down the I-10, right? Everybody's got their own headphones, they got their own TVs, they got their own specialized things, they got their own iPads. We just live in a day and age where everything is customized and tailored to you, what you want. Now, that comes with incredible perks and it's awesome and, and all that, it's, it's great, but but it also can get really wonky real quick because then we can think that everything is customized and tailored to us. And I'm going I'm to tell you, you've got to be careful with that mindset when it comes to church because we can take church and go, well, church needs to be what I want, what I need because everything is customized to me. Like you get on my Netflix, it's very different than yours because it's customized to me, what I like. And and. And that can make spiritual family difficult because we want everything to be customized to us. But in order for you to really experience things, how many know sometimes you got to lay aside your preferences for the greater good? Amen. I'm telling you, it's, it's, you, you got to lay some things down within this. And, and, and that can go everything from like the music to the message to how we do things. Like, oh, I really don't like it. Well, I really don't care. Because at the end of the day, here's, here's the truth. At the end of the day, how many know we're only trying to please one? We're only trying to please one. We're only going after one within this. We're, Jesus, are you pleased with what we're doing here? Jesus, what, what do you want? And, and when we live in a culture where it's about convenience 
and it's about comfort, and it's about what I want, how many know that can go really wonky real quick? Because it's, it's not about what we want. How many know we all lay down what we want for what he wants? God, what do you want in this? So it can, it can, we can crave um, convenience. Here's the third one. This one's probably one of the hardest, is we experience pain. What makes spiritual family so difficult is we experience pain. Anybody in here been hurt by your family? Raise your hand. You've been hurt by your family? Okay. How many of you have hurt your family? Let's not all be victims. How many know we're also perpetrators? Why? Because relationships are messy. And if you went into your marriage thinking, we'll never fight. (laughs) Every time I do premarital counseling, I was like, I'll see y'all later. (laughs) I'll see y'all later. Because they're like, oh, it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be amazing. She's going to cook for me. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm like, just have kids. Let's see. Uh, when do you want me to go? You want me to pre-schedule now? I can just pre-schedule it right now. Why? Because family's messy. God, it's messy. It's so incredibly messy. And it's hard to preach spiritual family. Let me tell you why I think it's so hard to preach spiritual family. Because some of you have so much incredible pain in your natural family. So the moment we start talking about spiritual family, you go, well, if it's anything like mine, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Oh, God, God's like a father? Well, if he's like mine, poof. No, 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 God's not like your natural father. God's like the father you should have had. And so when you get into the spiritual family thing and you just realize, like, man, like, we're all people in process. Myself at the top of the charts Like, I know I've hurt people. I know I've been hurt by people. But it's a part of doing life with people. Like, you can't do life with people and not get hurt. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Can you get hurt and still stay? Now, now, let me make sure that I'm clarifying. You... I'm not saying you need to stay in a relationship where you're constantly being hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt. Dear God, you need to get out. But most people don't leave family just because it's a constant place of toxicity. It's because they just got offended. And they weren't willing to have the hard conversation. It's sad how many times I've been to Walmart and people duck me. Like, I know. Like, I walked down the aisle and they're, I know they saw me. And I, lo- and I love to go find them. Oh, you getting beans too? I don't need beans, but I just wanted to see you. What's going on? And they start talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, this is always usually what it is. This is always, almost always what it is. Yeah, where you, man, where you been? I haven't seen you in so long. Oh, we're just busy. It's just busy. It's just a lot that's going on. It's just busy. It's just busy season. And the more you sit there and you start asking questions, you realize it's not about busyness. There's something that's actually there that happened that they're running from. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And so I'll always ask, well, did you, did you have the conversation? Well, no, I don't want to you know, you know, have that conversation. I don't know. Well, wait, hold on, hold on. And that's not biblical. Because if somebody's hurt you, you owe them the opportunity to Repent. You owe them the opportunity to make it right. 
Well, you, I don't, you know, they, 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 no, 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 wait, hold on, no, no. And, and oftentimes, here's the saddest part of it, oftentimes is, so where are y'all going to church now? And they're not. You know why? Because the assignment of the enemy would bring to bring a wedge there that not only disconnects you from spiritual family, but also disconnects you from God. And now you've got an issue with the Lord because there's something there. Now, yet again, recognize, I know there's been church hurt. I know there's people in here that have been hurt by church. I know probably I've done some hurting in this church. I hope you know the heart of this house, the heart of my wife and I, the heart of hopefully people that are leaders in this church. Because just as much as we can get hurt by family, how many know we can also get healed by family? And if you don't believe me, let me share a story. So here's a story that was submitted to us. And this is um, a family that's in our church. They said, we didn't want to go to church at all after some church hurt. We were pretty much done with church people. (laughs) Still had a relationship, God, but it was a back burner type of thing. And our daughter had been going to OSC and kept inviting us. And then one day, Denny Fontenot, invited Sydney to the men's herd life group. He came home that day and said, we're going to church now. Now watch. I told him, we're going to sit on the back row and not talk to anyone and not join anything. That lasted about three Sundays. And the next step started, and it was an uphill after that, dream teams, life groups, all things, and we now sit on the third row. And God has definitely changed the way I feel about his people because of who's in this church. Now watch this. Also, my youngest son, who never wanted to leave his room, much less our house, I had to force him to go to youth. But shortly after, he was all in. Now he's, now he's a tribe leader, all because he connected with some amazing boys. And if you would have told me three years ago, this is how Eric would be, I would have called you a liar. We love our church and love what God is doing in and for our family. Amen. Come on, that's powerful. 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 Number four, we think transactional. Spiritual family is one of the most challenging things because it's countercultural to the way that we live today. So much of our relationships are transactional relationships. What do you do for me? And the moment you don't do anything for me is the moment that I'm not in it anymore. And my prayer is that we get a revelation of this, not just the information of this. It's how I've been praying all week is that you would get a revelation of this. You can get all the information But when you get a revelation, it changes everything. Yet again, remember that we God God places us, God puts us. This is why I tell people all the time: like, listen, never become a part of our church if you feel like there's pressure to join a church. You should never feel pressure. What you should do is you should always pray and ask the Lord, God, where do you have me? God, where do you have us? Why? Because God places. Hey, last time I checked, did anybody in here, did God ask you who? you wanted to be in your natural family? Like, did God say, which one do you want? Mm, you're in heaven. Mm, I'll take the rich ones. Let's go with those guys. <laughs> no, no, no. God didn't ask you. God placed you. And we do have a choice within spiritual family, of course, where we go. But how many know we should involve God in it because he knows where we need to be? Amen. He knows where we need to be. Because here's what I've learned. If man can put you in a place, man can get you out of a place. But if God puts you in, that's huge here. So spiritual family is hard. It's really hard, really hard. It's difficult. We're different. Got transactional. 
we've been hurt, we've got convenience, but it's worth it and it matters. And so I want to end today with why it matters. Why does it matter? And Pastor Josh, I'm coming. Isn't that good enough? I mean, yes, to a degree. Here's the beauty of it. You don't have to be in spiritual family to go to heaven. You can go to heaven without spiritual family. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is all that you need. Yes, yes. But you would, you would miss out on so much that God has for you. So let me give you three reasons why it matters. Number one is because it's how God designed us. God designed us with family. I, I just shared the whole Bible, in a sense, of an overview of how God designed us for family. You saw these words together, 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 together. It is the, it is, it is God, uh, the enemy's plan for separate, 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 isolated, isolated, isolated. But God's desire is together. This is why he put you in a family. This is why he created family. This is what he, he's done. Psalm 68, 6. God sets the lonely in families. And what's crazy now is there's actually a thing called crowded loneliness, which crowded loneliness is that we are more digitally connected to people than ever before, but yet more relationally deficient than we've ever been. More, we, we're, we're around more people, connected to more people than we've ever been in history. And yet, more people are battling depression, discouragement, and isolation at a rampant rate. It's because we're, we're connecting with people in a digital form, but how many know digital only goes so far? I talked to somebody the other day, they're like, yeah, yeah, I just kind of do church online. You know, I watch Joel Osteen, I watch this, and I watch this, and here's, here my thing was. So who shows up when you're in the hospital? Because I don't think Joel's coming to you. I know Joyce ain't. That's great to, it's great for those to be a supplement, but how many know they can't be the main? It's great to learn from, but you got to have people that you can do, do life with because you're, you're designed for this. God's created you for this. We, 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 we have these words that we want to have in our lives that connect with us, words like included and known and seen and loved and valued and belong. These are the things we, these are core, at, at our core of who we are. And so God says this. So yet again, let me show you a story. Um, this is from a lady that's in our church, and she wrote, she wrote this. For decades, I tried to fill a void in my heart with countless meaningless relationships and ridiculous amount of bad decisions. I couldn't figure out why I always felt empty. It got to the point where I couldn't feel anything at all. So I started purposely hurting myself just to have some sort of emotion. I felt unworthy and I felt invisible. She goes on and she says, I was invited to OSC many times by my best friend, but always had an excuse why I couldn't go. I'm fi I finally gave in and as soon as I turned into the parking lot, I was overcome by feelings I had never had before. For the first time in a very long time, I had hope. I dove headfirst into any way that I could get more of God. I went through inner healing and freedom. My eyes were open to all the things that I used to try and give myself peace or sanity. It was at that point that I knew what I needed to do. I chose to accept Jesus into my heart and into my life, and then I hit the ground running. I began finding people who spoke life over and into me, and my family at OSC not only helped save my life, they led me to saving my soul. Come on. This is huge. Why? Wow, you're created for this. Number two, it's how God grows you. It's how God grows you. 
You hear little things that we say around here often, your destiny's tied to your relationships. Or we'll say things like, when you find your people, you find your purpose. When you find your people, you find your purpose. There are so many people trying to find their purpose outside of God's people. But what you fail to realize is, is your purpose is connected to God's people. What God wants to do through you is connected to the people he's got to you. And the moment we try to disconnect those to say, well, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do, I'm going to just fulfill what I have. No, 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 God, there's nothing in scripture, anywhere, stories in scripture that it was ever an isolated thing. It was always done in the context of community and with people. The early church, people, 12 disciples, people. Everything we see is these people. And so Psalms 92 tells us the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. And the byproduct of them being planted in God's house is they, what's that word? That's the word. They flourish. Can we put that up there? There we go. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age, and they are ever full of sap and green. Now, this verse is telling us that your life and my life is like a seed, And a seed only bears fruit when it's what? Planted. Is a seed not valuable if it's not planted? No, it still has value. It just never reaches its full potential until it's planted. And the moment that it's planted, it grows roots. And the moment those roots start growing, here it comes shooting out of the ground, bearing fruit for all. Now, here's the beauty of a tree, though. Watch this. The beauty of a tree is that it bears all this fruits, but the fruit was never designed for the tree. The fruit was for everybody else to enjoy. Hey, how many of you know the purposes of God on your life are not just for you? They're for everybody else to enjoy. They're for everybody else to, to, to partake in. And so, but, but it comes with us being planted. When God wants to grow you, when God wants to grow you, he normally sends a person or a people into your life. When God wants to bless you, he does it through people. When God wants to help you, he does it through people. Watch this. When God wants to change you, yes, they're like, I don't like that one. I don't either. <laughs> you get married. <laughs> God, God brings people into your life. And so if, if, if you're here and you're struggling in your family, look at me. You're struggling in your family. I know you come to church and you say praise God and hallelujah and all is good, but at home everybody's fighting. God puts you maybe in spiritual family to help close those gaps, to bring some healing. If your marriage is struggling, then maybe God's put you into spiritual family so you can can get around other people that actually have healthy marriages and say, hey, can you speak into this? Can you help us here? Like we're trying to do this alone and it's just kind of not working. Or if you're here and you've got a wayward son or daughter or spouse or friend, Maybe, maybe God's putting you in spiritual family so you can have some people around you that are believing with you, standing with you, praying with you. Come on, asking the Lord with you. Come on, how many know we, we all need that? Amen. We all need that. Like I literally just, between the 8 and 9 a.m. service, we've got a guy that's in our church that just texted me and said, hey, pray that my, my dad is in ICU right now. Like he's, he's like deflated lung, all of the stuff that's going on. Like, can you, can you just pray? And I said, okay, well, what, what room number? And by the time I was already done, Pastor Stephen already found me and said, hey, uh, you, we're going to go this afternoon? Yeah, we're going. Yeah, we're going to go. And, and, and the beauty of a spiritual family is the more that other people are finding out, the more that they're going to get involved. 
Why? Because when God wants to bless us, help us, change us, grow us, he does it in the context of people. He does it in the context of family. This is, what he, this, is, this, is what he, this is how he chooses to do it. Yet again, don't believe me? Let me show you a story. So he says, before I started OSC, depression was an everyday thing. If you're in here and you battle depression, it's a real deal, by the way. And it's a real deal even if you love Jesus. And this person was, was experiencing it every day and said, I didn't want to wake up most days. My marriage was failing. Divorce was a real option. My family was just toxic and everyone was always on edge. Some of you may resonate with this. We weren't in a good place. So we started going to OSC in April of 2022. This is just last year. And it changed not just my life, but my entire family. Watch this. Spiritual family and life groups changed our entire family dynamics. I took freedom last year. It changed me. Depression is gone. Divorce is no longer an option, and my children are doing so well. Words can never express how truly grateful we are as a family for Jesus and our spiritual family. Come on, how many know God can take those graves and turn them into gardens? This is what he does. Yet again, celebrating. Watch this. Celebrating what Jesus is doing. Listen, I want you to hear me very closely. I'm not elevating our Savior's church. I'm elevating Jesus through our Savior's church. Y'all hear me. This is a very big deal. Uh, this, this isn't like the OSC show. This is when people say, I'm willing to be the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus. Amen. Because actually, that's what number three is. The reason why spiritual family matters is because not only God designed you for it, and not only does God want to grow us with it, but number three is it's how God uses us. It's how God uses us. 2 Corinthians 5.18, and we're done here. This is it. And God has given us this task. He's given us. Us, the family of God, he's given all of us this task of reconciling people to God. That's, that, that's the task we've been given. Reconciling people back to God. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, because of all this, we are. Everybody say, we are. Yeah. Come on, say it like you mean it. We are. Yeah. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal. God is making his appeal. God is making his appeal. Through us. Through us. Well, can't God just save people? Yes, he can. You know how he chooses to do it? Through us. That's how he chooses to do it. So when we say, hey, the vision of our church is to reach people and build lives, this is what we're saying. See lost people come to know Jesus. And then seeing found people get discipled and pastored to become like Jesus. And then those people go out and help us reach more people for Jesus. This is us. He's given us the message. He's given us the task. He's given us his spirit. He's given us all of this. He's, he's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Amen. Watch this. Not come back to church. I pray that you can come back to church and connect with God. But more than anything, I want you to come back to God. Come to God. Come to him. I'm 
I'm gonna point you to him. I'm gonna get you to him. This, this is what we want. When Jesus left the earth, when he left, he left us three things. He left us his word. He left us his spirit. Jesus ascends, the spirit came down. And watch this. And he left his people. He left his life group. He left his spiritual family. And he said, now you go. They're like, can we go with you? And he's like, nope. You'll come one day. But you got work to do. What you saw me do, you do. Just do what I did. But you're going to need me. You're going you're to need me. So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you. He's going to give you power. And Acts chapter 1 and, and 2 tells us he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Why? Just so we can have all these goosebumps? No. So you can be my witnesses. So you can be my ambassadors. So you can go out into your workplace and compel people. Come back to God. Come back to God. So wherever you work, whatever school you go to, whatever, God, God, God gives us a spiritual family so he can use us to compel people to come back to God. So I end with a story of this. So um, we just kicked off Manhood uh, University this past Thursday. Super excited, man. We need to celebrate. Over 120 men are in Manhood University. Largest one we've ever had. Biggest one. Guys connected. Powerful. So at my table, so I lead a group. Because I'm not calling you to lead, do a life group if I'm not in one. So I'm in a group. I'm table nine. Table nine represents. And so uh, last semester, uh, January or so of last year, I get a call from a guy that's in my, that's in our, our, my life group. And he says, hey, Pastor Josh, man, I, can you pray with me? I've got a guy that works at my job. And uh, he's one of my managers. And he's, man, he's depressed. He's discouraged. He's in a really, really bad place. I think you need to meet with him. And I said, I think you need to meet with him. He was like, no, 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 I think you need to meet with him. I'm like, no, 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 you need to meet with him. <laughs> like, that's, that's your employee. <laughs> like, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll pray for you. And I'm gonna pray that God gives you boldness and courage and that you go meet with him. And you sit down with him. This is a perfect moment for you. Okay, okay, okay. So he goes off, calls him the next day. Man, he's, he's, He's searching, he's searching, he's searching. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll put some tools in your hand. Listen, we record all the manhood stuff. Have them go start watching the manhood sessions and then y'all just meet, just talk about it. What's God speaking to him? So okay, okay, okay. He said, hey, um, can I bring them to the next one? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So February comes around and uh, he comes and he brings the guy. The guy says yes to it, brings him. So we're sitting in this table and, and all of these guys love Jesus. All these guys have a walk with Jesus except for this guy. So we're, 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 we're diving right into it. And this guy just starts pouring out his heart. Literally, I'm like, wow. Because you normally don't get that on the first session. Guys are really quiet. and Most guys don't talk anyways. Um, but this guy just starts pouring out. His, Man, I'm just lost. I'm trying to find I'm battling depression. I'm doing all this stuff. He's talking. So all eight of us or whatever, however many that we had, just start pouring into him just encouraging him, tell him about the love of Jesus, sharing the gospel with him. And um, he, he doesn't give his heart to the Lord there, he just takes it all in and he leaves. Um, but he texts text me that week and he's like, this is what I'm missing. This is what I'm missing. So he comes back, comes back. And so he starts, for the whole semester, he starts coming every single week. 
during that time, over the course of those six sessions or whatever, he gives his heart to Jesus. Says yes to Jesus. Gives his heart. Then he says, I want to get baptized. And then he asks, hey, would you guys come? So all the guys from our table came and, 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 and cheered him on on his baptism. And his wife came with him. Little did I know that his wife had been praying for him for years. Years. And so she, she, she texted me this huge, long thing. But she did comment on the question that I'd asked, and I want to read it to you. Because she had said, the biggest impact that OSC has had on our family is my husband finding Jesus. Thanks to the men of OSC for helping lead him to the Lord and helping to mend a broken man. Our lives have changed so much, and I will be forever grateful for what God, for God leading us to OSC. Here's the beauty. Listen, watch this. I want, I want y'all to catch this. That started with a manager. And it actually, before that, started with a wife that said, I'm gonna pray, 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 I'm gonna pray. And then God speaks to a manager that puts this man on his heart. And then this manager starts reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. This manager invites him to come to a place where he can learn how to come back to God. And then how many know, when you just get in a presence of God, God does the work. God does the work. So I want you to hear me. This isn't just some kind of like, yeah, let's just talk about spiritual family because it just sounds good and better together just sounds like a good little cliche. And let's just say better. We're better together. Everybody say it. We're better together. Like, this is what has shaped my life more than anything. It's the family that I get to walk with. I plan on doing this for the rest of my life. It's doing it with family. I've been here for two decades, not because I found a great church, but because I found an amazing family. And I want this for you. I don't want you just to attend. I want you just to pop in and fill a seat. It's not my heart for you. My heart is that you've got some people in your life that you can pick up the phone when the tragedy hits, that you can pick up the phone when you're celebrating, that you've got some people, listen, Not everybody needs to know you, but somebody needs to know you. Somebody needs to know what's going on here. And God is making his appeal through us. Come back to God. Come back to God. Being connected to spiritual family is God's greatest desire, and it's Satan's greatest threat. So he's going to do everything he can to prevent you from getting plugged into it. Well, I'm busy, I'm this, I live over here. Yeah, I know, life's busy. Yeah, I know, you've been hurt, me too. Yeah, I know, it's inconvenienced. God, do I know that. Seems like every night there's life group, I'm like, I could just stay home right now. Everything is pushing against me to not be engaged. But then I realize, man, How rich is my life because of the relationships that God has in it? Father, we love you. God, we thank you today for the opportunity that we have to gather. 
Lord, the number one thing that unites us as a people is not commonalities of, of um, life or race or age or beliefs. What really rallies us all together is Jesus. That Jesus, you pursued us. Jesus, you invited us. And Jesus, when we say yes to you, you adopt us into your family. That once we were blind, but because of you, we now see. Once we were lost, but because of you, we're now found. Once, God, we were enemies of you, but because of your rich grace and mercy, you've now adopted us as your children. And if you're here in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus, to following him, to surrendering to him, to making him the Lord of your life, man, that is the first step. The first step is that today Jesus offers, come back to me. Come back to me. And if you're here in this room and you say, man, I, I, this, God is calling me right now. He's calling me to come back to him. If that's you, I'd like to know who I'm praying for. If that's you, just shoot your hand up all across this room. And say, that's me. I know he's calling me to come back. He's calling me to come back. Thank you. Over here and over here, back there, back there. Anybody else? Man, this is my moment. This is my moment to be born into the family of God, to say, yes, I'm coming back. Gotta receive your grace. It's no works that you can do. It's all because of the grace of, of Jesus. We turn from a life of self. We put him as the Lord and Savior. The Bible says we'll be born again. That's you. Praying that over you. And those of you that are in here that maybe you've been attending, maybe you've been showing up, but man, it's just God's calling you now to, to take another step, to take another step, to plug in. And I'm praying for you today. God will help you find that connection. So, Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, I pray for those today, Lord, that have said yes to you. Say, yes, I'm, and I give my life to you. God, I thank you that you come in and you make us new. Lord, I pray for, for those that have, that have already said yes to you, but God, maybe just due to whatever in life has caused them to disconnect. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you draw them back to your family? Would you draw them back to your people? Lord, would you help them find the right connections, the right relationships? Lord, we wanna do this together, but Lord, we do this so that you can use us. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you're using us to reach people, to build lives. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Thank you for this moment that we have, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen.